Well, walking alongside somebody who's struggling can be really hard. It can be scary and maybe even make us feel a little inept, which can cause us to maybe run away from people in their distress or even more when they're struggling with a mental illness and not knowing what to do and feeling ignorant or ill-equipped. Today, we want to unpack that important topic of what it looks like to walk alongside somebody that might be struggling. Welcome to Celebrate Recovery Official. This is a podcast that shares life change stories, courage, hope, and leadership wisdom, all centered around the Beatitudes and the Celebrate Recovery principles where Jesus helps us to face our hurts, hangups, and habits, and even our broken relationships so that we can walk in healing and freedom in that path. The whole reason he died for you and I. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the global field director with Celebrate Recovery. Hey, welcome. So glad that you uh, jumped on with us again today. Thank you for the feedback that you're giving us and even some of the fun ideas that you're sharing on some future topics. We want to keep hearing from you. And as always, thanks for giving us a high rating and uh, giving us a review and sharing this with your friends so we can reach more people. That's the whole purpose of this podcast. But today's podcast uh, feels like one of the more important. They've all been really good. Uh, But just knowing that we have a mental health crisis as Sarah Stanton, the the national mental health champion I have talked about. It almost feels like this is the the next pandemic in the mental health realm. And so I'm excited for today's topic uh, to hopefully equip you if you're struggling with walking alongside people and in mental health struggles. And and, I've got a couple incredible power hitters here in the mental health arena, Sarah and Dustin. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and we'll jump into a conversation. Welcome, guys. Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, fam. My name is Sarah, and I am a grateful believer in Jesus, finding victory over a betrayal in my marriage, and currently overcoming fear and anxiety and insecurity. And I also get to serve as the National Director of Mental Health for Celebrate Recovery, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sarah. And so glad you, you do a phenomenal job. So glad you're here with us, Sarah. Dustin? Hi, everybody. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, which is the coolest thing I get to say about myself. And I celebrate recovery every day from codependency and sexual sin. And I'm walking out a proper stewardship of the bipolar disorder God created in me on purpose and for his purpose. I get the privilege of serving as a regional mental health champion for the Western region of the United States. My name is Dustin. Hey, Dustin. And I just got to spend some time with you, Dustin, in Phoenix, uh, Arizona for the the training conference, the advanced training conference, and you and your team did a phenomenal job. So as I said, we got some heavy hitters here and uh, just grateful for both of you. And when we were kind of, we have, by the way, we'll be doing lots of different topics uh, around mental health, but this was one that we kind of felt like might be a good start. Uh, Just kind of around that topic of um, walking alongside somebody. And I know you both have great experience uh, personally and even walking with other people, but why don't we start here, guys? Uh, what are some of those reasons? It's not that we're bad people, right? We, we, we have good intentions on walking with people, but sometimes we, we kind of drop the ball with that because we just don't know what to do. But 
From your opinion, what are some of the good reasons why we might um, fumble this interaction of walking alongside somebody in this? I can start us out. I think some of the reasons, we'll start with maybe reasons why, and then maybe talk about some of the things that we actually do. But I think some of the reasons that we may fumble, maybe we're not prepared. Hmm. Maybe um, we want to jump in and we want to help, but we're, we're not prepared. Maybe we're not educated and, and out of a heart to help. Um Things may fly out of our mouth that maybe aren't as helpful or insensitive. Uh, maybe we fumble because we are feeling unqualified. Maybe we're not healthy mm. ourselves and we're we're wounded healers, walking wounded healers, or we're taking on too much and we're feeling we're not. I know there's times for me, I, I maybe need to set some boundaries and I'm feeling worn out and not able to give my best. And those, I know, even, you know, per, speaking from personal experience, those are some of the reasons that I've fumbled in the past. Mm, yeah. makes good sense. Dustin. Yeah. One of the ones that really resonates with me, I've heard a lot of people talk about this is that they're fearful. Mm. They're afraid that if they say something or if they do something, they're going to make it worse somehow. And while we'll probably talk a little bit about how that might play out in conversations, just being afraid that they're going to make someone's uh, push somebody over the edge, so to speak, if they say something, because again, to Sarah's point, not feeling qualified to be able to have those types of conversations. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the fear because, and that kind of speaks to my own humanness, our humanness, right? It's like we, we want to get it right. And that's so if, if you've struggled with this, I think it's good for you just to hear that, that you're fumbling it not because you're a bad person, you know, and, and I think that fear aspect is so important to lean into is that we, we have a fear, you know, and I like to think of fear as just attributing power to something greater than ourselves. And sometimes we, we give power to the wrong thing, but just being able to call that out and say, I'm afraid. And what am I afraid of? I'm going to make it worse. Or what if they find out I don't have all the answers, <laughs> right? So it kind of just being able to call that out and saying, okay, is this a realistic fear? And, and what do I do with that? So it kind of makes me think about just expectations. And you know, what are my expectations going into that conversation? And are those realistic? Uh, when you, when you talk about that fear point, um, what are, what are some of those expectations? Is it anything that you would add to that, Dustin? Yeah, one of the things I've noticed is that a lot of times people will enter into the conversations with people that are having a mental health struggle because they themselves feel uncomfortable with that person's pain. Mm. So they'll, be, they'll see someone that's hurting and they'll feel uncomfortable that that person is hurting, so they'll want that hurt to stop somehow. Mm. And so rather than being necessarily tied just into the person and their well-being. It's also a little bit of, of um, I want me to feel better about this too. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of times when you get that, what you end up with is saying things, that making jokes, saying some dismissive things, trying to find the, the silver bullet or the magic mm. words that make it all go away real fast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, I was, I was just going to agree with that, that sometimes we'll want to feel 
the uh, fill up the silence or if we don't have the right thing to say awkward things will fly out of our mouth god's got this which we know is true but can can be really dismissive right just try to be positive when we're talking a, about a could be talking about a, a chronic mental illness and that does not feel um helpful in the moment yeah, and it's kind of honoring the good reasons why we might say that because nobody likes to see that, you know, somebody's hurting. So, yeah, I think making space for that is like we want to get them out of that pit. Uh, but it, it, you know, it's, I kind of equate that to if, if I said uh, I look at you and you have barbed wire wrapped around your legs and your ankles and I say, hey, just run faster. Right. It's like, it's like, is that, it feels like, well, just run faster and, and it'll all get better. Just be stronger, be better. And even saying that out loud, it's like, gosh, I would never say that. But it feels like that that's kind of one of those internal messages is you're actually saying that I shouldn't be struggling right now. And somehow I must be really, really too defective. The fact that you're saying that and I'm not doing that. Uh, must be something extra wrong with me, uh, or you wouldn't be saying that. And Dustin, I'm kind of curious, maybe even on a personal experience, man, you mentioned the, the bipolar. How's that? What was that like on the receiving end of that? I'm sure you probably have had experiences with that. W- what is the message you take in when someone just tries to get you out of that pit? Well, it's It's almost dismissive, and it makes me feel as if, not only does the person not understand me or understand what I'm going through, but that maybe it's my fault or my responsibility that I'm going through it in the first place. One of the um, popular ones I hear is, come on, things could be worse. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it could, it'd be much worse than that is you've got so much to be happy for. Why are you so sad or depressed? Mm-hmm. And that puts a lot of responsibility on me to try to act a certain way for other people. Yeah. And that, that's that's exhausting. That is, and and so disheartening. Even when you said that, it hit my body a certain way. It's like, oh gosh, that feels so so painful. Um, yeah. So maybe, and and Sarah, maybe you can speak into this. I know you've talked to a lot of uh, folks across the country as we traveled around and the summits and stuff. What are some of those things? And we talk about these in our training conferences. What are some of those statements that? along those lines that you've heard from people that good motives, right? Good intentions, but just really land in a hard way on people's hearts that are in the battle. Yeah. I think, um, I think what Dustin said, things could be, things could be a lot worse. Hmm. Um, I think it's, I think there's some, some, uh, legalistic thoughts around you're not close enough to God. You're not, you're not praying enough. Are you, are you doing your recovery work? Are you really walking out the steps and the principles? And I think that keeps people in that locked up hidden space Hmm. feeling like I thought this was supposed to be a safe place for me too. That's the language that we're using. That's the hope of our CRs. But if we continue to use these statements why would they? Why would they share those things if they're feeling uh, like their situations are being minimized or they're feeling belittled? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, just thinking about 
you know, some of this is kind of ingrained um, lessons and teachings that we've learned over the years, right? That if you're struggling, just pray harder. And so we kind of have these kind of built in ingrained pat answers and responses to people um, that just don't land too well. It's kind of unlearning some old ways of thinking, isn't it? One of my favorites is it's all in your head, mm. which, uh, well, kind of, of course it is. It's a, a mental health challenge. Where else would it be? <laughs> yeah. Would it be my leg? <laughs> but it's, it's all in your head kind of, it, it is a little dismissive because it also negates a lot of the real physical um, symptoms and signs that happen whenever you're struggling through a mental health challenge. I know, for example, in times of depression for me, I just feel like I've been hit by a Mack truck. Mm. I just feel sore all over my body. And that's not um, in my head. Yeah. And I think that we we think that through pretty well with other types of illnesses. Um, we um, wouldn't really tell somebody, well, snap out of it, that that diabetes, you know, that's just, you know, all in your pancreas. You know, we wouldn't say that to anybody else. Yeah. So kind of curious, kind of putting you on the spot a little bit here, Dustin, just in your journey, I don't know how long you've, you've had the actual diagnosis where you could put words to what you were experiencing, but in your experience, man, when did, I'm, I'm sure there was probably a path of, you know, kind of doubt, self doubt. And well, maybe it is me. Maybe I just need to be strong. Maybe I just need to be more spiritual and better. And, and when did that begin to turn the corner for you when you began to realize, wait a minute, it, it's not just in my head and in my, because I'm not doing enough or what did that look like practically for you, man? My um, first experiences with bipolar disorder probably started when I was around 19, 20 years old and they got progressively worse. Only I had no idea what it was. All I knew was that I found new and exciting ways to light my life on fire. Mm. I found uh, new and exciting ways to kind of wreck the bus, so to speak. And it wasn't until I was in my um, I was in my late twenties, early thirties, that I started to think, well, maybe there might be something to this. And that only happened after a failed suicide attempt. Mm. I had scared myself enough to say, I probably need to talk to a professional. And that's when I found that information that, that what I'm going through has a name, and it's called bipolar disorder, and it mm. explained a lot of what I was experiencing. And of course, the first thing I did was deny, deny, deny. The last thing I wanted to be was a bipolar um, person, and I didn't want to have that diagnosis associated with me whatsoever. Hmm. So I just found every other reason in the world to kind of uh, ignore that anybody said anything and, you know, gave the classic, I'm fine response. And it wasn't until my life really um, hit rock bottom, and then I'd say that was right around 2011, when I I sort of lost everything, uh, my marriage had fallen apart. My I job was gone. I was at the very bottom of who I was for myself, and uh, reached out and finally admitted that I was powerless. Admitted that I couldn't do this by myself anymore, mm-hmm. and found my way to a celebrate recovery meeting. And one of the very first things I was challenged with in the celebrate recovery meeting was a a very uh, hard nosed very stern sponsor 
to enforce, <laughs> help me learn how to enforce some some str- strength in my recovery, um, not just within Celebrate Recovery, but also within uh, my treatment for bipolar disorder. He would follow up with me and make sure that I was going to my meetings, but also make sure I was going to my counseling to make mm-hmm. sure I was taking my medication. And what I found was that as that became more stable, um, lucidity and clarity of mind became more common. Hmm. And then I could really start to see how this started to play out. And in hindsight, that diagnosis is probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me in terms of my own health. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love that you said that. And just thinking about uh, sometimes, you know, there's it can be a tendency, at least in my experience, where it's like it it becomes well, you know, you you're saying you're diagnosed with something, it becomes your crutch, or you know, I've I've heard people say that, and it's very cruel to say that, but it's it's not an identity piece, right? And it, just like any other aspect of of celebrate recovery, it's like what we struggle with is not our identity, but when we can name that and explain that it, it actually brings a, a place of healing. And I love that, that you said that it kind of brought some clarity and the best thing that could have happened to you is to put, put a name to that so that you could begin that, you know, there was a part that you carried in that to be able to struggle well with that. And I love that you had some safe people around you to kind of point you to some structure and some, some new processes. It also helps not feel alone. It also helped me feel like it wasn't me on an island by myself going through this experience. I I could learn more about other people that had the same experience. I could start to hear other people's story in my story and see my story in their life. Mm. And I think that 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 sense of community, it wasn't my identity to your point, but it was a big part of what I was experiencing. Yep. And being able to know that I wasn't alone in the experience really helped me start to open up to the possibilities that, you know, maybe not only do I have this diagnosis, but perhaps this diagnosis might be designed in me. Mm, yeah. That God does made me fearfully and wonderfully. Yeah. I also think about all the other people that get to hear you boldly talk about your struggle and how it gives them the courage to share. Wow. So not only are you finding courage through others talking about it, but what you unlock in others. And then also those who maybe are a little more uneducated or unaware that we're providing space, that they're walking away from a celebrate recovery night and saying, wow, they're putting a human to this label Hmm. um, where a lot of stigma stigmas have been attached to these labels, especially in the church and how we're putting people and our our community our fam our family believers to these names so we're breaking stigma even Mm. within our own ministries which i think is so powerful and also what an honor what an honor that we get to do that and walk that out yeah that's so good and sarah maybe you can speak to this you know just you know medication um is you know as we have people coming into uh our um, our church, our celebrate recovery meetings. And, and they, you know, through a doctor's guidance have a pers- you know, prescription, they've been prescribed something to help them with their, their mental illness. What, what would you say to someone that's come alongside someone that, that may, and what's some things that I could do to do that a right in a right way 
um, with and walking alongside someone um, that that may need medication? What would you say to that? I think first we have to be aware of maybe our own bias, our own uh, maybe beliefs around medications and the use of medications um, for the symptoms that we may be experiencing. I believe God is a miracle worker, but I also believe that that could be through the use of professionals, through the use of counselors, through the use of medications. And so to check um, our own bias that we may have before we um, may ask someone. I don't, I don't think we should ever ask the question to anyone within our ministries um, about, are you using your medication? Unless there is a rapport, unless there is a trust, unless they have welcome, welcomed us into that place of their life to be able to check in because it should be out of a place of concern or I'm noticing something, you know, I'm noticing maybe a little more agitation or, or maybe a little more of a low state, but they have welcomed us into that part of their life. And then we're concerned about you. Um, are you taking your, and we have a really cool, um, form that was developed to have these conversations called the mental health agreement that you can find in the, in the alt that can help um, as we walk close with someone that's meant to use bef- between a sponsor and a sponsee or accountability, but someone that welcomes that, um, that we're, that we're checking in with them and making sure that they're okay. But uh, we believe, or I'll speak for myself, believe, and then you guys can add to it that medication is, um, a wonderful way that could help to relieve symptoms that we may be experiencing. Yeah. Dustin? For me, medication is part of my sobriety. Mm. So, In my earlier part of, of, of having bipolar disorder, and even early in my recovery, there was a lot of pride. I had a lot of, I've, I can white knuckle this, I can pull myself up from my own bootstraps and get this thing done, and I don't I don't need doctors and I don't need medication. And I learned very, very quickly that the proper stewardship of my life, this life that God's given me to live, involves listening to people that are very smart, that have lab coats and letters after their names, that have figured out some things. And that includes being uh, willing and being humble enough to follow the treatment guidelines that I get from my professionals, which include medication. Yeah. So while some people might be in recovery not taking medication. I'm actually in recovery and my recovery depends on it. Yeah. That's so good. And, you know, I mentioned this, even this past weekend is, you know, if any other part of our body needed medication, we would not blink an eyes like, Oh, you have kidney issues. Gosh, do what you have to do. Right. But something about the, the mind, we, we get a little bit hung up in that and, and that can feel uh, very, very cruel. So I want to I wanted to turn the corner, but I want to take a quick break uh, right here. And as we've been talking about even just how we approach people with uh, taking medications and uh, what's a good and, and wrong way to do that. And uh, when we when we come back from a quick break, I want to just talk about uh, some other ways. What's some better ways that we can walk along Jesus's children in healthy ways so that we don't run them off in shame, but point them to the cross with hope. And so stick with us and we'll continue the conversation when we come back. So you've established a foundation through the proven and effective seven keys of celebrate recovery. Now, maybe you're ready to build on that foundation through the advanced training in-person training conferences, no matter where you are, 
in the very beginning or the advanced, we have a place for you. Go to crconferences.com for more information about training. We'd love for you to join us. crconferences.com. Welcome back. Talking with Dustin and Sarah, uh, just some true champions. We call them mental health champions in Celebrate Recovery, but they're champions just in their walk as well in recovery and grateful for their insight. And And uh, we're just talking about how we can walk alongside people in in recovery. And before the break, we were talking about just uh, right ways and wrong ways with medication. If someone has to take medication and, and Sarah, you you had mentioned this, and I just want to really highlight this, that, um, you know, we want to to make sure that we've established a rapport with someone, as, as I said this past weekend, connection is so key, the relationship, because it can feel as a form of fixing even and shaming people, you know, are you on your medication? You're, you're kind of acting weird kind of thing. It's like, ugh, if I don't know you and I don't have rapport with you, that can be really scary. So making sure you have that, that relationship. But, but guys, as we're kind of continuing that conversation, we mentioned the medication and, and wrong ways of approaching that topic uh, to help people point them toward the heart work as they uh, utilize the, the medication uh, from the professionals. What's some other ways that we can, what's some better ways and how, what are some things that kind of resonate in your experience personally and just what you've seen in ministry where we can, uh, as a ministry, walk better alongside people in this area? One of the best ways is just to simply be present. To be there with them, to walk alongside with them, means literally to be alongside them. And a lot of times we feel the need to fix or to say the right thing or to bring somebody up. But just our sheer presence alone um, is so comforting. I know in my own personal experience, um, just having someone willing to sit in the room with me hmm. while I'm in my low points or to... Uh, walk alongside me and kind of act as the bumpers to life <laughs> when I'm in these high points uh, hmm. has been really, really useful. I'm reminded of the second chapter of Job hmm. and talking about Job having lost everything in the world's worst run-on sentence. And where while, while he was still speaking, the next person came in and told him that he lost something and something till he had lost everything. Hmm. And he was, because he uh, back in those days, they wanted their outsides to Look like their insides felt. He was had pulled his hair and tor- torn his clothes and covered himself in in ash and was sitting on the curb. And all of his um, friends came from far away and they could barely recognize him. And the verse says, "Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was." Hmm. Just the idea of being able to sit with somebody um, and just be present that hmm. that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, that that's doable, isn't it? it? It feels like we try to come up with this big formula of what we got to do, which is part of what overwhelms us and ends up causing us to drop people. But I love the simplicity of that and what a weight that is to the person on the struggling end, just to know someone was willing to take that time and just sit with them, to sit with me in my pain in the simplest form, just be present. I love that, Dustin. Sarah, what about you? You, you stole the, the words out of my mouth, Rodney, when you said time. And I've heard that, that love is spelled 
T-I-M-E. And I, I'm thinking RTRs are on a Tuesday night. And I'm thinking about all the responsibilities that I have on a Tuesday night and how a lot of times I'm going, 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 making sure this is done and making sure this is done. I know when I am present with someone and I know when I am appearing or attempting to appear as though I am present with someone. And so making sure that in the time that I'm giving them, I'm really showing them that I care about them. I'm I'm really giving them my eye contact. I'm not allowing anyone who may be standing, and you, and you probably know what I'm talking about, standing just beyond and they're waiting to talk to you that I'm not, you know what I'm talking about, right? They're yeah. making sure that they're next in line to get to you, but that you are giving them um, all of you in, in those moments. I know when I'm being heard and I know that when I, uh, when someone else is distracted, you can see it in their eyes. You can, you can hear it as they paraphrase back to you. And so in that space, even with all the things on the to-do list, pay attention to who God is putting in your, in your line of sight or, or right in front of you, those nights. I, um, I know the nights when I may have missed the mark. Um, and I know they know, as well. And so giving them your time and making sure that they're really um, aware that you are present with them in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you kind of touched on something. I think it's might be worth saying too. You're not always going to get it right. You're not always going to be fully present and, and my full time is devoted to you and we get distracted. I mean, Lord knows I can get distracted. Like, Oh, it's like, Oh, I'm back. I, just, I left you for a second. So I think just giving yourself permission, give yourself grace. You're, you know, you're not a professional. You're going to, yes. you're going to mess it up. Um, just be willing to repair that. You know, when, when I misused and miss misstepped with you to be able to go, Oh, Hey, time out. I just, I dropped you and I'm sorry. My brain went somewhere else and you were talking with me and I kind of left for a minute that's not important right now. Can we do a do over here? I'm sorry I dropped you. Can we can we pick up again? Now you were saying, right? So it's just kind of a good probably just giving yourself permission that you're going to be human on the receiving end of this as well as the giving end and so uh, give your give yourself a lot of grace. <laughs> we're going to mess it up. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I receive it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love, and we may do it. We've got several topics on mental health that we're going to be covering, but just in short, um, tell me about mental health champions. What, what is it that we're, what is the goal? What's the overriding mission that we're trying to do when we say creating mental health champions around mental health? What are we talking about? I can start us out and then Dustin add, add your thoughts. I mean, I, I think I mentioned it a little earlier, but we want to make sure that our suburb recoveries are a safe and loving place for those that are walking through mental health challenges. And, and so we use mental health champions as the vessels as, so they're individuals who are passionate about, I was going to say this demographic, but it's all of us. All of us are walking. We all of us have mental health and it looks different from person to person, but we want to be intentional. We want to be intentional to make sure that 
um, we're supportive with this challenge as well. And so that looks like we're hearing it in our intros. Mm. That looks like we're hearing it in our testimonies. That means that we have people talking about it and, and championing this within our open share groups and in our step studies. That means that we're prepared. So if there's crisis, we know that we can use the suicide protocol that we have set up for you. We don't mm. have to reinvent the wheel means that we're training our leaders so that they're feeling equipped. So if something goes down on our Celebrate Recovery Ministries, that we are, we're willing and and we're not perfect, not professionals, but we know the next steps so that we're not walking in fear and and ignoring um, or avoiding. That's so good. Yeah. Dustin? Another great part of that mental health champion role is about resources and learning where the local resources are for um, where you can find help. I know in our area, we've got a, a telephone number you can call when someone's in crisis, and they'll send two counselors to your location, and they'll walk you through that to make sure you, you're going to be safe. Hmm. And that's a resource that's really valuable to have, that if you didn't have that number, maybe you wouldn't know what to do. And so the mental health champions, not only within their own Celebrate Recovery, but also in talking to the other mental health champions around them, can kind of build this this shared network of, of resources that we that you can use and you can find ways to support folks. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Just building competence, right? It's like, Hey, let's be prepared for this so that, you know, it, something that I'm not prepared for can cause a lot of my uh, perfectionistic tendencies, right? So my perfectionism, if, if I don't feel like I can do it perfectly, then I won't do it at all. And so I get frozen and get stuck. And so, just being able to give permission that, hey, just do the best you can. And here's what here's the list and have that ready. Is it at my fingertips? Do I have a folder in my small group? Is can I can I go to this Rolodex? And I know that's an old school term. We don't see Rolodex anymore, but kind of that that flywheel of here's here's my resources. I can say, hey, Dustin, here here's some resources for you you're asking for. And and I want to help you because I've already done some research and some trusted uh, resources in the public. Yeah. So guys, as we're wrapping up and I already I said this at the onset, this goes so fast, but what, what would you say to someone since we are kind of talking about coming alongside somebody that darn enemy wants to discourage, right? He wants to keep us from, from really coming alongside and loving people in this arena. What would you say to bring a word of encouragement to someone that might be thinking, ah, I just, I don't have what it takes. What would you say to them? I would say that you're not alone. <laughs> that that's a, that, that if you look to your left and you look to your right, you're probably looking at somebody that's having that same experience <laughs> that you're having, but know that it's not going to have to come from you, that, it, that God's going to be there, hmm. that he does know. Yes. That he knows what people need to hear in the moment. He knows um, how best to use you in that environment. And if you just trust him to do so, he'll make, he'll open the doors. He'll help you find those words. And sometimes those words are no words at all. Mm, I love that. That's, that's so good. I remember uh, Pastor Rick Warren, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher his quote, but he said something, and maybe you'll remember and correct me, so please do, but that our most effective tool tool that we use is our ear. And I, that gives me just a lot of relief that it's sitting down in the dirt and just listening. And and while 
some of our, our, our people may need a little more. I think first and foremost, it's giving them our ear and coming at it with a perspective of we get to do this. Like we get to be the ones who get to offer hope. Maybe we're, maybe they've never experienced this before that we get to do this. And real practically speaking, we also have regional reps who are all over. And so if you have specific questions or you run into roadblocks, we have specific um, mental health champion regional reps who are willing to talk with you, talk with your teams to be able to provide support as you think about implementing this ministry into your celebrate recoveries. Mm, so good. Well said. Well, guys, we could talk a lot more on this, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your wisdom, your insight, your heart. Uh, for for mental health and uh, just means a lot and I know that our our listeners are getting a lot out of this I know I'm getting a lot out of it and I appreciate uh, your insight and thanks for giving us time to to help equip us to give us all a little bit uh, more confidence in being able to meet people in this uh, sacred space right as I like to say so I love you guys and I appreciate you thanks so much for being with us today thanks Rodney thank you you bet well, and, and to you that uh, are joining us today, uh, I hope this has been effective and helpful for you. Uh, I just want to give you a word of encouragement. Uh, when Jesus says in, in Matthew, come to me, those are Jesus's words, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. He's speaking to both sides of that as we are trying to be that help for other people in our weariness and heavy burdens. We don't know what to do, Lord. We can invite him into that and just meet people where they are and let Jesus do his incredible work as we love people and meet them where they are. We're grateful that you joined us today. We hope that you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless you.